And in the message version, it said, step out of the traffic and take time, a long, loving look into my face. And so we, we really feel like we've done that. We've, we've stepped out of the traffic and we had time to look into his face. So thank you for that. We had a wonderful time, um, lots of different moments, and I'm sure we'll be able to have lots of time to tell you the stories. We, we had some lovely times and lovely moments. So thank you. It is wonderful to be back. Um, my two words are we feel rested and ready. So yeah, lovely to be back. Hello. Yes, hello. I forgot how to prep for preaching. It's like, I couldn't believe it this morning. I thought, gee, I've forgotten this whole thing. Your faces look incredible. You are radiant. You're beautiful. And um, it's been a phenomenal three months. I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you. You've helped us. And uh, I trust that we're going to help you. And it's been a phenomenal time. Just thank you to you, the church. I had literally no contact with the church. I got my salary at the end of the month, so I thank God that there was still some money. <laughs> that was the only thing I knew. That was the measure I knew. That was it. And um, I just, just, just thank you. Thank you for the time. Thank you for the gracious uh, releasing and enabling. Thank you for being present and doing what you're doing. Thank you to the eldership team for, and all those that preached and ministered and continue to do what they do, and uh, just thank you. It has been a phenomenal, phenomenal time, probably one of the best things we've ever done, and uh, I just want to say thank you. Uh, uh, and you, you think, what do you come back with? And it's quite a bit of pressure, because I know everybody's like, oh, this is it now, three months of prep. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick up with the last scripture that I preached on. In Hebrews chapter 1, because actually what I come back with is Jesus is absolutely amazing. It's all about Jesus, friends. When our hearts burn, as we were singing this morning, you become a light. That's how we become a light, is your heart burns. When your heart burns with Him, when your head burns with Him, when your hands burn with Him, with your feet burn with Him, you become a light to the nations. You become a light to your neighbors. And I've got such an appreciation. We spent two weeks in Israel. I mean, there's so much to talk about, but we spent two weeks in Israel. And I haven't spent a, a, a chunky, I've been to Dubai before, but I haven't spent a chunky amount of time in a nation that is not Christian. Where Christianity has not shaped the culture. Jesus is not on the lips of most people. When you go to Western countries, uh, South Africa, Africa, it's, there's, it's, there's lots of Jesus. There's lots of gospel. It might be warped. It might be distorted. It might be broken, but there's Jesus. And I've sat there many times. We, had a, we stayed in a, in a like a... a, a Airbnb kind of place on Zion Square run by South Africans and we overlooked Zion Square which is in Jerusalem and you see all these people backwards and forwards they don't know Jesus 
If you can put some, uh, some pictures, I will give you some, I'll bleed. I mean, there is preaching in my photos for years. It's like just amazing. Oh, just from the Israel trip. That there is the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall. And um, a very significant place for the Jews. It is the foundation wall that Herod built. So when Herod built the temple, he, wa he wanted a big temple because he was half Jewish. And so kind of he had a deep respect for, for the Jews. So he wanted a magnificent temple. So what he did is he built a platform with four big walls and then he built the temple on top of that. That wall is the, one of those walls of the platform. It's not even the wall of the temple, but it is the wall closest to where the Holy of Holies would have been. And it's recognized as a very, very holy place for, for Jewish people because it's so close to the Holy of Holies. I wanted to say to us, friends, and, and it's an amazing thing, the history, the magnificence of it, it just showed, go to the next one there, and um, that's just to prove that actually I was there, <laughs> just in case you think it was just a photo off the internet, you know, next one, these are some people praying at the wall, looks a lot like church, some people praying, some people on their phone. But it's this, it's this moment of deep, somber crying out to God. Next one, please. Praying and petitioning God. Putting prayers, writing prayers on pieces of paper and putting them in the cracks so that they can get to God quickly and get to God. The next one, I can't even remember what it is now. It's an incredibly powerful place for the Jewish people. On top of that is the Dome of the Rock. The, one of the three most holy sites for the, for the Muslim, for, the, for, for in Islam. And the incredible thing, friends, I walked in there and I thought, hey, I'm going to experience God here. And I walked in there and I actually just got sad. Because, friends, a wall doesn't get you to heaven. Jesus gets you to heaven. Jesus gets you to where you've got to go. And that wall, that thing was torn. The, I, want to do, I want to do a preach on the privilege of a torn curtain. You, Jesus is not a place. He's a person. And I want to remind you, Glenridge Church, I, I said to God, in my, I've, I've got a journaling program that I, that I journal every day. And I've, and I've made this commitment to God. I said, God, if I preach Jesus, if I tell people about Jesus, if I help people walk with Jesus, if Jesus becomes the essence and the focus of everything we do, you've got to do the rest. I'm not worrying about buildings. I'm not worried about money. I'm worried about Jesus. Friends, and I, there is such a sense, friends, that when we sing these songs about Jesus, and you see these pictures of people at a wall, we have forgotten the privilege of knowing Jesus. The wonder of knowing the transforming power that the gospel does and brings to our lives, friends. Is there another photo there? No, that was it. And Hebrews chapter 1 says this. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Hebrews chapter 1, this is the NIV. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, 
whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. This is not just some arbitrary person that God knows. This is the one that is the heir of all things and through whom he created the universe. He's spoken through him, that person. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. He is as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to this. This is Jesus. Friends, we've got to celebrate every day of our lives that we know Jesus and be the Jesus people that he's called us to be. You know, friends, the church moves, and I've been, it's, it's been so wonderful because as I've been running and exercising, I've been listening to books. I've, I've listened to a, a book called Dominion by Tom Holland, not Spider-Man, another guy, <laughs> a historian. And he tells the story of how Christianity, a non-Christian man, has shaped the Western mind. That without Christianity, human rights would not be a thing. Because they weren't always a thing in all of history. That's a recent thing in history. That all people matter. That all lives matter. That, that those basic pr principles that we take for granted was a Jesus thing. And, he's, and, he, and he tells the story of, of how God moved over the ages. And how the church at different stages emphasized different things. At one stage it was all about angels. And this guy had, this one church guy had an encounter with an angel. And so now angels became a thing for like centuries. And the next thing, Christians are killing other Christians because they're not getting baptized. And the next thing, Muslims are persecuting Christians and Muslims are persecuting Romans. And Romans, it's these massive swathes of history as God tells his story and Jesus still continues to be the essence. And they get him wrong, but Jesus still continues to do his job. And one of the things that we're in, friends, we're in a swathe of history. And because of our technology, changes so quickly. It's so quick and it's information. There's so much information and so much knowledge but no wisdom. Jesus is the wisdom of God, which is foolishness to the world. And there's just such a profound sense of Jesus wanting to make his name great in our lives. And put him, it's not just in our hearts, it's in our minds, it's in everything we do, friends. We are Jesus people 24-7. It's not Sunday, Jesus. It's all of life, Jesus. It's burning in the heart, Jesus, all of life. In the boardroom, in the classroom, in the coffee shop, around the dining room table, all the time, Jesus burning. And so what happens is we discover discipleship has been lacking. So we make discipleship everything, and we forget about people. The beginning of discipleship has lost people. We find the kingdom because it's all been about personal salvation. We find the kingdom of God. It's not just about a personal. God wants to change a city. God wants to change a region. He wants to do these amazing kingdom things. And we forget about the personal salvation that it starts with. You can change a city without changing hearts 
and you've missed the kingdom. The lost. It's about seeing people that don't know Jesus come to know Jesus. Not just on a Sunday while we're worshiping at an altar call, but through all of our lives, all the time. The book of Acts people were those people that said this. And daily people came to know Jesus. Daily people were being added to the church. That wasn't in the synagogue. That was in each other's homes. I dream of a church when we will, we will have testimonies of people coming to church, coming to the faith daily in our midst. In somebody's house, in somebody's touch, in somebody's reach. It might not be everybody at the same time, but in somebody's place, Jesus is being preached. Jesus, friends, is this incredible person that we get to have a relationship with. He saved us. It carries on in Hebrews, you must, it's, and it says this, you must pay careful attention to this. You must, you must pay more careful attention. I preached this before. You must pay more careful attention to this message. Otherwise, you're going to drift away. It's not about angels. I was reading this, and he goes on a whole thing about how Jesus is superior to angels. But why is he doing Obviously, there's an emphasis on angels. So he's writing into this thing. It's not about angels. Jesus is not like an angel. Angels are servants of God. Jesus was the son of God. If you've got the son, you don't have to worry about the servants. God's using them and ministering and they're working and they're operating. We can't see them. We don't have to be told there's an angel working. The angels are working. Just worry about Jesus. What is Jesus doing? What is Jesus doing in my own life? Are we being obedient to Jesus? Are we walking with Jesus? Are we listening to Jesus? Are we, are we carrying the love of Jesus to those around us? And then what happens is Jesus entrusts this story to human beings. It's phenomenal. He has to become a human being so that human beings can get part of the story that he's telling because he wants to save the whole world. Not just the people in the world, the whole world. He wants to redeem, regenerate, renew heaven and earth. Everything's going to be changed. He's so powerful. It's, and in verse 5 of Hebrews chapter 2, it says this. It's not to angels that he has subjected the world to come. It's human beings. He put everything under their feet, quoting Psalm 8. He put everything, he put everything under their feet, meaning humans. And putting everything under them, God left nothing that was subject to them. God left nothing that, that is not subject to them. So there's going to time when humans will reign on this earth and nothing will not be subject to us. That's what Jesus has done as a human. But please can I just say this to you. I was so ministered to this. It carries on to say in verse 8 of Hebrews chapter 2, Yet at present we do not see everything subject to him or them. We will be, everything will be subject to us one day. But in the present, not everything is subject to us. 
You can see it. You know it's not. I want to suggest, friends, that's why not everybody gets healed. That's why there's still sin everywhere. Don't get hung up, friends, about what God has promised us that we don't yet have, but we haven't part. It's the kingdom already, not yet. It's this idea. But what's incredible, he says this, yet at this, at this present time, we do not see everything subject to him. And he goes on in verse 9, he says this, but we see Jesus. Do you see Jesus in the midst of what you're going through? As we went on leave, Sandy Finfuren got sick. Clem got sick. People are getting sick. And I'm saying, God, please, you've got to, t- you've got to heal people. I want to see the healing of God, power of God breaking out amongst us. But friends, it comes with us seeing Jesus. Let Jesus be the one. Look at what Jesus is doing, not at what he's not doing. And he goes on in, in verse 14, he says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of whom who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives are held slavery by their fear of death. It's an incredible thing. He shares in our humanity so he can free us. As he gets freed from death, we all get freed from death. So his victory becomes our victory. Now, in the present. But we wait for a day, friends, when that victory will be absolute and absolutely complete. But in the meantime, we're going to go through all sorts of stuff, friends. It's not about who's in power in the government. It's not about politics. It's not about all this stuff. It's about Jesus. If we just hold on to Jesus, we will build our lives for the long game. Because God is playing a long game. And we are a little moment in the history of what he's doing. We're not the center of history. We're in the process of history and we find Jesus in this moment and with contentment and love and joy and hope, we find all that can be found in him and we live our lives to the full. Jesus. We don't come to a wall, friends, that is inanimate, cold, hard, and dead. We come to a person who is alive and free and powerful and has laid his hands on us and said, now you go and be me in the world. This is the Jesus that we serve. And I absolutely love this in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, who share in this heavenly calling, What heavenly calling? The fact that the Son of God is alive again and all authority is His and He's in the process of not trashing the world but restoring and redeeming everything, including you and me, starting with you and me. We are the first fruits of new creation. When you give your life to Jesus, the the, the power of the future enters your life. You get eternal life now. You're made ready for the day that you will face him. And you are, you are the first fruits of new creation. Everything else will, will, is going to stay the same, but we carry the life of God as believers in Jesus. If you don't yet know Jesus, I want to say to you, you need to give your life to Jesus. 
Don't invite Jesus into your heart. Give your life into his heart. Don't put him on the periphery. Put yourself in the center of who he is. And give everything. Trust him for everything. Nothing in this world is certain. Nothing. It all changes. It might take 100 years to change or 200 years to change, but it changes. He never does. Ever. Ever, 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 ever. Always the same. Who share in this heavenly calling. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Share in this heavenly calling. Friends, I've come back with a sense of we have a heavenly calling that we are, that word shares, participate or uh, partner with or co- be a companion of. So, so we called uh, Jesus in this process. He says, I'm calling you to be partners with me now. This is what I've done, but I'm calling you to be partners with me, to be companions with me. We don't do it on our own. We do it with him, in him, surrounded by him. We share in this incredible calling as the people of God. Friends, we are the people of God. Do you get that? How is Israel going to come to know Jesus? Please don't give me a whole lot of eschatology. How are the people of Israel going to come to know Jesus? You and me and people like you and me going there and telling them about Jesus. And it's not just Israel. It's every nation in the world. We are the people of God that carry this heavenly calling. Not on a Sunday morning for two hours. All of our lives, friends, it's the priority of our lives. Everything else takes second seat to this calling. Whatever you call to, whatever you call to do, this calling, wherever you're at, whatever you do, is your call in God. We get to share it with him. And it's heavenly, friends. It's transcendent. It's beyond time and space. It's an eternal calling. It's, it's, it comes with great power. It comes with great love and kindness and bigness and generosity. I want to remind you, we share a calling, a heavenly calling with Jesus. And it is a calling. It's a, it's a vocation. It's not a duty. It's what we give our lives to willingly, just like Jesus gave his life willingly. Because we want to see lost people saved. The reason why we did salt and seed over these last months is because God is speaking to us about seeing lost people saved. Not just about making disciples. Making disciples starts with seeing lost people saved, friends. I believe we're going to start to see lots of people saved. And you know what happens when we don't have, when we not, we, we, our mind is not in the lost, in the people that it's kind of always in us. And, it, and what happens is the gospel becomes a therapeutic thing. And we hide it with words like identity and belonging and all that stuff, which is true. And we've got to have that. But friends, it's about the lost. And we've got to have a heart for the lost. We've got to have a heart for influencing our neighbors, influencing the people we work with. You see, church planting, friends, is not about thinking. It's like a thing out there. Church planting is what plants, churches get planted when lost people get saved. That's what it is. It's how you 
it's, it's, it's God wanting to see revival come to a place through the love of God, through the power of God. We share in this heavenly calling. It means, friends, that we've got to be convinced that Jesus is the priority of our lives. There is the power in the gospel without all our additions and all our attractiveness. When Jesus is preached, when Jesus is spoken of, when people start to fall in love with Jesus, there's power. When a community of people are burning with love for, his, for this king, there's power. We've got to start to believe again in the power of the gospel when it's preached. When the name of Jesus is lifted high, people are drawn to him. This faith that we have is not a sophisticated faith, friends. It's a simple faith. And we make it so complicated. I've made it so complicated in my own mind. I, I, I felt God give me that phrase. This is not a sophisticated faith. It's a simple faith. I don't, really, I don't fully, I, I kind of use the word sophisticated, but I didn't kind of really know what it means, if you know what I mean. This is what it says in the dictionary about sophisticated. Having, revealing, or involving a great deal of worldly experience and knowledge of fashion and culture. Oh my gosh. Have you got a sophisticated faith? Was simple faith. Jesus. Friends, nothing is certain. Jesus is. It doesn't mean bad things are not going to happen. It doesn't mean challenging things are not going to happen. But Jesus. But Jesus. But Jesus. Into all eternity. We get to share in this heavenly calling. I had such a beautiful privilege at the end of last year to, to chat to a pastor who was kind of at the end of his tether. Known this man for many years. He's been faithful serving God for 24 years in Underberg. And he's just got lonely and I told him, bud, you're so grumpy, I, don't, I wouldn't come to your church. <laughs> I stand out, what do you mean? I said, bud, you're flipping grumpy. No wonder your wife told, me to, told you to come and see me. Like you're grumpy, dude. You're sucking lemons. It's true. And we all do. I am too. And the older we get, friends, we get so cynical and grumpy. But to tell you what takes us out of our cynicism and grumpiness, lost people. When you see, start to see the power of God moving in people that don't yet know Jesus, man, it takes you into something else. The reason why we get grumpy, the reason why we go not prophetic, we get pathetic and not prophetic, is because we don't have an understanding that actually one of our major jobs, friends, is to be burning for him so that we become a light to the world. To see lost people saved. Not just to be cities changed. Lost people saved. So he says, so I said to him, anyway, we hook him up. There was a, we had a time now at Hole in the Wall with a whole bunch of pastors, NCMR pastors, about 25 of us, all lead churches, there's no agenda, just friendship, and some guys do fishing, other guys do running, whatever, we do, whatever, it's just, and reconnected them in relationships, and the amazing thing is this, what's it now, six months later, or whatever it is, comes and he says, hey Stan, I need to tell you this thing, you won't believe what happened, 
a young guy, Bruce. I'm going to show him. I'm going to play you his testimony now. A bad oak. Doesn't know God. Black sheep of the family. Farmer, Underberg, Michael Houseboy. There's a whole group of young guys in that thing, 35 years old, with young families now that are running the farms that their dad had. You're going to hear his testimony now. He shoots himself with a 12-gauge shotgun. <laughs> Blows his jaw off. Wakes up on the grass, realizes, flip, I haven't done it again. He does it again. Ends up in hospital. Johan has a group of men praying for him, people praying for him. And he records it. Declaring God's goodness and God's salvation and God's healing over this young guy. He gets saved. Radically saved. Still got a marriage that's not together, but he gets radically saved. He knows that God's got him. He speaks to his mate, who's also a farmer that's drinking too much and loving his wife too little. He gets radically saved. All of a sudden, there's this like mini revival happening in Underberg, of all places. Can anything good come from Underberg? <laughs> and Johan is on fire. Because he's found the lost again. He goes and he spends days with these guys on their farm, talking to them and talking. These guys are raw. They don't know anything. The one guy, Johan says to me, you've got to get baptized. He says, oh, what is that? What, what do you mean? Okay, I'll think about it. Anyway, two days later, the guy comes back, phones him. He says, Johan, I've got to get baptized. And Johan's like, wow, but what happened? Did God speak to you? How did, what happened? He says, no, man, I realized your, na your name is Johan. It's like John the Baptist. I need to get baptized, dude. I need to get baptized. Jan's full on, bro. You need to get baptized. <laughs> Done. What next? You got to start treating your farm workers properly. What? Prayer meeting. Farm workers cannot believe it. He's got a guy manager there that is, is, is more of a heathen than him. He can't make, make one of the meetings. One of the prayer meetings. He gets there and the prayer meeting's going on. He's like, geez, what happened here? No, Greg, who is not yet saved, is leading the prayer meeting. <laughs> They're praying, but Lord, let the heavens come down. Glenridge Church, we have a heavenly calling in him to make his name known to the world. This thing is about a Jesus project. This thing is about a Jesus project, and we've got to make sure Jesus is at the center. Listen to Bruce's testimony. It's like five minutes long, so. Good morning. It's uh, Sunday the 19th. This was, uh, to keep June, playing, keep playing, was sent to a bunch of uh, pastors, so you'll hear the context. Glory. I was born in 1987, my father was killed in an accident when I was three months old. My mom remarried uh, to a lovely man from Underberg and I grew up in a very strong Christian home and I gave my life to God at the age of 10. I went to high school at Michael House um, 
That's when the rebellion started, at the age of 14. The ways of the world caught up with me. Pornography, alcohol, swearing, and just general rebellion. Went to varsity at Rhodes University, and things got worse. The booze, the drugs, and into the fold of women. 2012, I had a car accident that no paramedic or tow truck company can explain how I walked away. But I walked away with 14 stitches in my head, and that's all. It was God calling, but I didn't listen. A few months later, I met my wife, who was going through her own journey, but I was in a very dark place. And I thank God every day for bringing her into my life. There were lots of people praying for the both of us to meet each other. And uh, yeah, 2014, we got married. We had two beautiful children. Our marriage was, was okay. But we had a lot of tribulation, sick children, dependent in-laws, booze still was a problem. I became very critical when my wife became depressed and I chased her away. Through a lot of prayer and reconciliation we managed to patch things up. And then on the 1st of April, 2022, I had another car accident. Again, God was holding my hand and I walked away with a bruise on my arm. I got home and the suicide trance had got me. I went outside and I shot myself with a 12 gauge shotgun. I woke up and realized I was still alive. <laughs> and I shot myself again. But God had other plans. <laughs> I spent 10 days in ICU, six and a half hour operation. And uh, I'm standing here with some superficial scars on my face. And missing a few teeth. But man, God is powerful and He is working miracles through me. And I just want to encourage you all that our God is real. He is so real to me. I then went to rehab, mental rehab. But then I hadn't fully given my life back to God. But I went through a cold turkey in prayer. And God sent every word that I needed. He told me to put my feet on solid ground. He gave me water. And he sent me all the scriptures as I needed them. Unfortunately, my marriage has taken a turn for the worse. But I trust God.
that he will bring reconciliation through all of this because he is a God of love. I have miracles happen to me once a week since this accident. And I want to encourage you, the leaders, the good shepherds, that guide your churches, to take my story and share it to the people that there is hope. Where there's darkness, there's hope. But our hope is only in God. We sometimes go through the monotony of life, wondering where where this God is. And life just bumbles along till you meet someone like me. He's been through the mill. And I'm here to tell a very big story. And I will continue to tell my story as the days unfold. But God is working some powerful things in Underberg. He's bringing men to God that I never would have thought. He's bringing men to their knees. And it is all to glorify God. Have a blessed day. We love you. Some of you here this morning have never put your knee before God. He's not going to force your knee down. He wants you to kneel before Him. It's time today. Today. Don't put it off, friends. You don't know. This world is so... We don't know. Today, give your life to Jesus. All I can tell you is I've had 25-odd years of following Jesus. In the beginning, like like a terrible follower of Jesus. Nobody would know that I was a follower of Jesus. But I want to tell you, friends, Jesus is good. He will be your clarity. There's a song, Jesus, our sanity. Jesus, our clarity. He will be your clarity and he will be your sanity in the midst of the storm. Not no storm, but clarity and sanity in the storm. Through your health issues, through your marriage issues, through your relationship issues, through your parenting issues, he is the anchor. Keeps you sane. Keeps you rooted. Keeps you full of joy and hope. Today you need to give your life to Jesus. Receive the forgiveness that is His to give and believe that you today can be a son of God if you put your trust in Him. That you, you, you also will share in this heavenly calling. Some of you here have bent your knees before Jesus. You've got before Him. At some stage in your life, But what's happened is, life has happened. And what you've done is you've stood up again. As soon as you stand up again, friends, you never walk towards Him, you walk away from Him. 
the place that God's given us is on our knees before Him. Not a cold wall where you post your prayers on a piece of paper, but a personal relationship where you can speak to Him. And He hears you. And He loves you. Today, friends, God wants to change your life. Bring it back to Him. Change your life if you've never given your life to Him. And bring your life back to Him so that you can be that one that shares in this heavenly calling. God has called you to see His life spread through this city. Not through some program. Not through something that we do on the streets every now and again. That as well. But primarily through your everyday life. Your everyday 24-7 life. Your getting up and getting going day life. If that's you this morning, if that's you this morning, I want you to come to the front right now.